Well, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Sara Pantoliano. I'm the chief executive here at ODI, and I'm really pleased to be joined by so many people at this late hour here in London and more than 200 colleagues um, are registered to follow online for today's panel discussion, which is the latest in our series with MDP leaders. <coughs> And I'm really delighted to welcome the president of the Inter-American Development Bank, uh, actually Development Group, um, uh, Il Ilan Goldfein, who is here in London on his way back to DC. And we're really honored that you have chosen to spend you know, this hour with us uh, to talk about some of your priorities and you know, what we are all very interested to discuss more, which is you know, the reform of the MDBs. Ilan's career is particularly remarkable, I would say is, is rather unique. Um, you know, you've spanned senior roles uh, in the public and the private sector, but also in academia. Um, in, you know, you joined the IDB from the IMF, where you were director for the Western Hemisphere, um, but you've also served as the governor of the Banco do Brasil um, from uh, um, 2016 to 2019. So you have dealt with these challenges from a variety of different perspectives, which is why it's really interesting to, um, to talk to you tonight. Um, many of you will know that Elon started his, uh, his role uh, not, not that long ago, it was only mid-December, and usually the first 100 days is what you know, people feel is a really test for a leader to set priorities, to set strategy, you know, it's a really um, critical time. So tonight's discussion will offer some mm -hmm. food for thoughts and yeah. ideas, you know, for in these uh, first hundred days. We'll have two key areas of focus for tonight's discussion. It, the first is really focus on IDB's own priorities, um, understanding, you know, in this context of the so-called poly crisis, um, with all the challenges that we have globally, but particularly in uh, Latin America and the Caribbean, you know, in the region of focus, what the priorities are um, for the bank, how you are addressing that, were you prioritizing in your operations. But of course, there is a second area of discussion, um, which you know, it's uh, very important to us at ODI, and is the wider issue of multilateral development bank reform. Um, so this debate has never been as intense as it has been in the past um, couple of years. Um, there have been some significant developments. You know, we have seen the efforts on the side of some, you know, individual institutions, World Bank uh, evolution uh, roadmap, but also there is a wider, you know, discussion on the system reform, you know, particularly as a result of the Bridgetown Initiative that Prime Minister Barbados Mia Motley's uh, spearheading. And here to the eye, we've been very involved with the, you know, the recommendations of the expert panel on the reform of the MDB capital adequacy framework, as we will hear later, you know, in the discussion on the panel. So in this wider context, I'm really delighted, um, Ilan, to be joined by colleagues that can discuss with you both the priorities of the IDBs and you know this wider so system reform. Next to you is Amali Amin. Uh, Amali is the managing director and head of climate change at the British International Investment, but she's also a former colleague at IDB because uh, Amal was uh, the chief of climate change at IDB. Um, to my right, we have uh, Vanessa Rubio Marquez. Vanessa is the associate dean for extended education at the School of Public Policy at the London School of Economic. But she economics and she's also had a very long career um, in the mexican um, public service including as deputy finance minister 
and you have represented Mexico in various international fora. Um, next to um, Vanessa, there is Annalisa Prizon. Uh, Annalisa is the principal research fellow at ODI, and she leads our work on policies and finances of the MDBs. And last but not least, uh, our visiting senior fellow, Hans-Peter Langs. Um, Hans is a member of the expert panel on the review of the MDB capital adequacy framework, uh, but he was also the vice president for economic and private sector development at the International Finance Corporation. So I'll start with the panel, but then we'll open up the discussion to both you in the audience um, here in London and the online audience. As I said, there are more than 20 people signed up to join us online. Our strapline to the eye is think change. So you can ask questions, of course, but I would also like to hear some recommendations or some suggestions for change, you know, for this MDB reform that we really want to see, and obviously for the future direct directions of the IDB. And if you are on Twitter, please do join the conversation online as well. Amplify it. The hashtag is ReformNDB. But without further ado, let me turn to you, um, Ilan. So Latin America and the Caribbean face a number of interrelated challenges like many other parts of the world, but you know, to name a few, low carbon transition, resilience to climate shocks, um, income and gender inequality, private sector mobilization, you name it. What are the most critical ones and, and, and how should the IDB respond to them? Well, uh, first, thank you. Thank you and thank the, the panel. Uh, I'm honored to be with all of you. Thank you, ODI. We need to think change. And uh, it is a pleasure to be here. Uh, this is, uh, was a very interesting day. Today I started... A long the, day. Yeah, a long day, but it was very interesting. We started with the Stock Exchange, uh, London School. We were together mm -hmm. uh, talking. So very, very nice. Uh, and I'm, I'm very glad to to have this panel here uh, to exchange views, not only with you, that uh, I'm glad that uh, everybody's here, but also with our uh, colleagues that are are gonna send us questions, I hope, from, sure. from there. Um, we, as you mentioned, it's, uh, it's like uh, the hundred, first 100 days. Uh, oh my God, it's, I'm already used Four weeks. It's, uh, <laughs> it's I was to, Christmas. Now I'm looking things. like uh, I'm. I'm already there now. It's, I have to have everything ready now. <laughs> but we 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 use the time to to talk to uh, colleagues at the IDB, hear what they have uh, to say. A lot of things are are uh, have been dealt uh, at the IDB. For example, you mentioned capital and equity, which we're going to talk mm -hmm. later. It not, has not started the optimization of the balance sheet. This is, mm -hmm. has been a few years, so it's, it's good that I, I learned that. I've um, been talking about the priorities, what exactly the bank is doing. But I also uh, taking the time to, to talk to our stakeholders, very different ones. Government, civil society, others. What are the priorities? What do they want from uh, from a development uh, bank? But of course, we need to lead. We need to offer uh, uh, a way and and find 
uh, bridges and find where we can find in this polarized world where uh, you have uh, everybody has certainties and uh, when they start talking uh, it's very hard to reach some not consensus but agreements and I think what we need to, to do in international organization and maybe it's not in the reforms is dialogue we need to go back to, I will call it moderation. We're gonna go back to, well, we have different interests. Sometimes they're not so far away. Why don't we find a way to help people? We all want, we have some consensus. For example, everybody wants a stronger IDB. So let's have a strong IDB. Let's have a strong IDB that can improve the lives of millions of people in a region that is very unequal that has poverty coming back, that we actually have some food insecurity now after uh, the pandemic, the Russia invasion to Ukraine with the food prices going up, uh, energy prices going, going up and transportation makes more expensive. Everything meant that there is quite a bit of a, of a challenge uh, to, the, uh, to the region. So improving the lives of this region is, is quite, quite relevant. And I don't think people will disagree with that. It's just the way to do it, what exactly you want to do first, how to do it. So uh, I will say that my first reform is collaboration, dialogue in a polarized world, if you want me to. So that's, that's, my, um, that's my, if you want my 90 day uh, certainty. <laughs> Um, now, the region has what I call beyond the, uh, the shock of a shock that you mentioned. You call it polycrisis because we have all this shock uh, that led some scars. I talk about hunger and food insecurity, and I talk about uh, if you want education, uh, there are one or two years, schools were closed. It's going to be very hard to catch up with that. The other scars on poverty that was going down went up. Um, we we do have uh, uh, quite a bit of GDP to catch up. Of course, GDP fell and came back. So if you look at mechanically, it looks like we are back to 2019. But of course, if it was not for the fall, the trend will have, you have been much higher now if there was not the pandemic. So a lot of scars. And I want to concentrate now on the triple challenge. And the triple challenge, I think it's more structural. And, it's, it, and it has these three components. The first component is that there is a clear perception that there is a demand for, I will call it social change for better public services, for better health, for better education. People are not happy with the inequality in, very, in several dimensions, not only income, but gender, diversity. Um, we're not happy to, to, to have a lot of poverty. So they're demanding the change. How do we know they're demanding the change? Well, first, just look at governments, democratic elections, 
the mandates that the new presidents from different countries, from different regions, they are coming with the mandate, social mandate, public services. So we know that. If you don't want to look at the elections and the mandates, look at the streets. I mean, you don't need to look at the streets. A year ago, two years ago, you can look at it a week ago. Just look at the region a week ago, two weeks ago, one month ago. Streets are showing that the patience has somehow diminished. So that means that the first challenge is you need to deliver on that impatience. And I'm not going to call it impatience, that the fair demand for uh, uh, social improvement. But the problem is the second challenge, which is the region still is a region where you don't have enough resources to provide for everything that is demanded. Usually budget constraints means that, that you have to allocate and there's never enough. But in a region where debt is 64% after reaching 70% on average, which means that if you have a 64% of GDP on average, it means that, and we have countries that have 20%, 30%, which means that we do have countries that have much higher than the average. And the allocation of the budget, sometimes it is not for the social and this group. And I'm not gonna get it, but you allocate to a lot of uh, items that are clearly not in the social agenda. So resources are scarce, demands are high. So the natural tendency is to say, let's create the resources. Creating the resources is even a more difficult challenge structure, which means that you need to grow. And the region has not, have not grown productivity growth for some time. I don't know when was the first lost decade, but they were, we were losing the decades over time and growth is not there. And here I don't want to generalize. There are countries that are growing very fast in the region. But the average growth is, you're not generating the resources. So social needs are on the high. You have large debt, scarce resources, and you're not able to generate them. So what is the role the IDB should play? First, when you design the priorities, somehow you, you have to think about what is this challenge and what is diagnosis structurally and where do you want to fit? Uh, and second, uh, once the priority, you need to think about how to address given the priority. So let me start with the priorities. So it will not come to your surprise that one of the pr first priorities, I think we have consensus at the IDB is social. Poverty, inequality, health services, education. That needs to be there. That's core IDB. Second, we are in a global world where climate change is clearly a public good that you need the contribution of every country, of every region. And uh, the IDB has a lot of members not only the regionals, all the non-regionals, non 
Europeans, Asian, um, and they're all concerned about global warming, climate change, Paris targets, mitigation. So that has to be, when we think about a public institution, has to be one of our uh, one of our priorities, with a twist, which is the fact that you need to give quite attention to adaptation, because global warming is not a, is not the future for Latin America and the Caribbean. Global warming is in Central America and the Caribbean already. Just look at number of natural events, hurricanes, flooding in this part of the of Latin America, and you know that the cost of what's happening it used to happen once every ten years, and it will have cost of five percent of GDP, one percent of GDP. Now it's happening every three years, and sometimes it's twenty-five percent of GDP, fifty percent. The magnitude and the frequency are completely different, and here we are having to deal with the adaptation. So when I when we say have the priority climate change, I'm all, not only talking about the Paris target mitigation, but I'm talking how do we gonna help the Caribbeans, Central America to overcome a very important uh, challenge they have. Third, we talk about that you need to generate resources, right? So the first was social, but you need to generate resources. How do you generate resources? Uh, we need, at the end of the day, productivity growth and investment. Both of them are lacking there. If you look at the infrastructure, you're investing 2.8% of GDP. That's around half of other regions. And when you look at infrastructure, the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, we're going to build a bridge, we're going to build a, a rail, railway, a road. But a good part of today's infrastructure is digital. Because the world and the productivity is digitalization. So the digital transformation needs to be part of the, of the business of, of, of the bank. And a twist on that is that, is that all this investment uh, that we're looking for, we need to somehow direct to regional projects. Because you can find us, of course, specific project in countries, and the bank will continue to do that. Uh, but we have the mandate to think about the region. Countries have the mandate to attend their citizens. First and foremost, of course, if they do a regional project, they help the citizens too. But you need to explain spillovers and externalities and bring together, helps everybody. The IDB, we think region. I have to think region. It's easier for us to bunch. Those are the priorities. Some of them are not easy. For example, regional projects, you think it should be very easy to do. The multilaterals, and we're not built to do regional stuff. They will build to deal, to have a regional organization that deals with each one of them. 
I'm not talking about aggregates, IMF, IMF Bank, they all are structured to do so. Some of the things I'm saying, they are easier to say than to do. So let me stop here because I know we have a panel yes, and I want to hear from them. And I'm sure they will be talking you know, about the priorities, but thank you for being you know, so frank and honest about some of the, the, the push as well for change, which you know, we see um, everywhere. Before we talk with the panel about the priorities, I also wanted to ask you what you see as the role of the IDB in the context of the MDB reform <laughs> agenda. I mean, what, what has IDB contributed recently to this agenda? So let me tell you some elements that I think are is fundamental. You need to mobilize private capital. Part of the reform is based on the realization that the public sector by itself, without multiplying, without mobilizing, we can use a lot of words, crowding in, mobilizing, multiplying, is the same thing. We, we, we have public resources. Again, it's if you just make the calculation of how much you need to the mitigation, on, it's not enough. And then we have all the other things I've said. We need resources coming from the private sector. And, and of course, the IDB is well positioned for that. Uh, we have here the CEO of the IDB Invest. Uh, we have the IDB Lab talking to, to the most venture. So we are... Uh, and it's not new, we are, we are there, we are mobilizing private, but we need to do more of that. And there are ways to do it. Uh, uh, for example, we need to somehow help the private sector feel that they can enter more easily into uh, the region. And I can think about one thing which is more structural, one thing that's more uh, instruments financial instruments and innovations and optimization. The most structural is we need to provide the stability, the infrastructure, the rule of law. Uh, if you wonder, my first thing, which is dialogue, democracy. We need to provide an environment where private investment can flourish. And it will look to you that this is an obvious, but it's not. Part of the IDB does is creating institutions creating, helping to create regulations and all of that. So that's, if you do it correctly and it's very hard, then you can multiply a lot, but that's structural. Non-structural, there is a way to try to mobilize private capital by the public sector taking part of the risk in a smart way so that the private sector feels that it can enter. A lot of the language that I read in the Reforms talking about de-risk, which means that you're going to de-risk. But unless you do the structure, you're not going to de-risk. You're just going to redistribute the risk. And that's fine. But you need to do distribute the risk for the public sector in a, in a way that we take the risk, we are the fair, take the first loss, we take the guarantees, we somehow provide uh, bonds that uh, are contingent to the natural events, where you have a natural event, you pay less. All of these are part of not really the risking, but distributing the risk in a smart way so that the private sector can come and multiply uh, the impact. Uh, so there's a structural way which you reduce risk, and there is a 
non-structure, which is innovation financial, where you reduce the risk in order to multiply the capital. So those are <laughs> things that uh, the IDB has been doing it, and I'm uh, quite comfortable because I was not there, so I, I'm not praising myself. I'm just just uh, four months ago, three months, I didn't even know that I'm going to be here <laughs> because the the next president was supposed to take office in several years, so it was not my fault that it was not uh, knowing that. about it. <laughs> but so I'm praising what I see that I'm also saying the challenges and difficulties, but I'm also praising things that were done. There are innovations that are coming from the IDB. Yes. And some of these innovations have to do with necessities. A lot of the innovations that we <laughs> praise come from necessity. And one of the necessities come from the fact that I told you that one part of our region is needs adaptation that's facing natural events. They're asking us for insurance somehow. What am I gonna do? I'm facing this. I cannot insure, I go to the market. There's no insurance. Okay, so do X, save. You tell them and it's not there, it's not enough. So we haven't figured out how to provide insurance for the new crisis that we're facing, climate crisis. So the innovations come, even if you do a little bit, come from the necessity. And I think the IDB, given that this part of the globe is in our constituency, is natural that the innovations have come here. And I think we're going to continue to do it. I'm going to stop here because I know. Uh, that's have... great. That's great to you know, sort of um, start the discussion because then we can go to Amal Lee, that was actually part of you know, sort of these innovations and creating part of the innovation. I was praising her. <laughs> I, 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 I think we got the hint very clearly. Uh, and it's actually great to have you, you know, on the panel, Amal I, I mean, it, it'd be. It'd be great to hear from you whether well, you've heard the priorities from Ilan. You know, do, you, do you agree with the priorities? And then particularly, you know, in the context of climate change, where you focus a lot of the, the work at, at IDB, what does it mean, you know, for operations? And, and tell us about some of these innovations and what else, you know, the IDB and others can do. Okay, well, thank you. It's, um, it's wonderful to be part of this panel and uh, to meet the new president of, of my old uh, institution. So thank you. Um, I think, you know, having come from IDB and I, I, I left, uh, I mean, timing wise, I left just literally four weeks before the global pandemic uh, really began. So, um, uh, you know, and obviously then I think, as the president said, uh, there was already some, you know, climate crisis already hitting many countries in the region, Central America, Caribbean in particular. We've seen the pandemic and now obviously with the war in Ukraine, the you know global Inflation and interest rates rising rapidly, all adding to this, you know, poly crisis now. So, you know, when we look at and we talk a lot about the financing gap in climate, but it's you know ultimately it's an you know an investment gap for sustainable development, uh, but at the same time huge potential opportunity. I think when we look at what the private sector is doing now, and I for those that were at COP twenty seven, I think it was quite remarkable how many CEOs from major investors were there, not because they were asked to come, but they felt they needed to be there. I mean, I've never seen that uh, in, in that way. And that's increasingly, I think, what we're seeing is a lot of opportunity for attracting and mobilizing and bringing this capital into delivering on sustainable development. And 
And I just, you know, and I think one one area that I worked on at IDB with other MDBs as well uh, was this agenda around sustainable infrastructure, with sustainable being very much about the social, economic, financial, and the environmental, bringing these together. And I think uh, this issue of how to ensure that the changes that are going to start to emerge uh, as countries look to respond to the, the poly crisis, that those are done in a way that can really then unlock and mobilize the, the, these, you know, the trillions that we often talk about, um, but certainly you know, scale, scaling up uh, more billions into sustainable infrastructure. And I think you know, looking at what the IDB has done and, you know, and the president mentioned dialogue and collaboration, I know, I mean, the IDB, IDB group has been extremely um, effective in bringing together um, ministers of finance in particular, but other ministries, but also helping to uh, bridge and work across the silos in governments, because often yeah. governments are not talking across across their own governments, <laughs> maybe talking to their peers. Um, but we know that these challenges requires that really uh, sort of deep collaboration and really to start to unlock and identify ways of providing more systemic change. We cannot, given uh, given the challenges, I mean, climate, the climate crisis is real, but also the social crisis that we're seeing in most countries in the world, including here in, in the UK, um, that the 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 urgency now to really move beyond thinking project by project uh to be innovating in a way that can really start to drive change in a much more systemic way that can then really attract capital and that's why i think the idb group is already has already been doing a huge amount in this area and i know um probably a little bit early to say and i only know Maybe some of the I've heard some interesting ideas that are start that are likely to emerge in uh, as the IDB group looks now, uh, and particularly with the IDB Invest Capital Increase, uh, to uh, focus more on mobilisation and in a way that is going to, I think, demonstrate a real uh, step change in the role of the MDB or an MDB. Um, I must say, I, I find I mean this whole focus on MDB reform is extremely. I think extremely interesting and I you know something that I've when I was working within IDB I felt that there were a lot of really good practice good uh, collaboration happening uh, but just not not at the scale and not at the pace that was needed and I think some of what IDB has been doing IDB group um, is already being picked up so the Bridgetown agenda I think as the president emphasized is is uh, talking about these um, you know disaster uh, linked um, mm -hmm. uh, clauses uh, that would uh, enable, you know, debt suspension. Um, uh, IEB has been, you know, providing contingent finance uh, for many years, which I think actually were were critical in the pandemic. I understand where the IDB was able to yeah. provide these very fast dispersing loans. But I think also what I, what I, you know, I think is extremely important for those that have not worked in an MDB to recognize it's not just finance and funding that is being bought. In fact, I think it's the expertise, yes. it's the working, <laughs> partnering with governments, with the private sector to innovate, uh, to help uh, take on whether it's uh, slightly more risk, uh, to be prepared to do um, those things that haven't been done before. And I think, again, the IDB, I, you know, a couple of, I, I was there when we, um, when the IDB uh, worked with Chile on their sovereign 
uh, issuance, green bond issuance, which I understand now has has mobilized 25 billion US dollars. And I remember that was a technical assistance where I think it was around $70,000. Now, of course, what kind of level <laughs> or mobilization ratio is that? I mean, it's, it's uh, but, you know, that I think is, is not often well understood how, because that was some TA, but also a lot of expertise from within uh, the bank, from working closely with IDB Invest to create a framework that enabled the government to issue a sovereign bond that was extremely well received by, by the market. There's been, I know, work in Uruguay recently. And I, I, and I think, you know, moving and innovating in the type of using financial instruments in a more innovative way, whether that's policy-based loans that, that I think the, the bank has been extremely effective in um, on uh, helping countries to put in place the types of uh, policies and measures that will deliver on the climate agenda, but also very importantly, and particularly moving forward, uh, this uh, focus on the just transition. So embedding the social dimensions into uh, the economic and other uh, structural measures that can then really unlock private investment. But also looking at performance-based uh, lending, performance-based um, uh, corporate bonds, I think, is another area which, you know, can all of these, I think the IDB group has been doing a lot already. Uh, and now uh, I, I think we'll see a lot more as people are talking and focusing on the reform agenda. Uh, I think it will be really valuable to understand what exactly is happening and what is working well already in practice. Um, I, I'd love to say a bit more about the uh, the wider MDB reform agenda. I am conscious of time. Um, maybe we can so maybe back to that in, in, okay. in the questions. But yeah, thanks for okay. emphasizing in how sometimes it's just the courage to do certain things. You know, a little bit of expertise, a little bit of you know initial I don't know what it is a first loss. Uh, absorption, it can go a long way um, to then generate the, 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 the bigger capital injection that we roll after. Um, Marisa, let me come to you. You've represented the Mexican government in a number of you know, different international fora. What do you see as the role of the IDB being in the system of the MDBs? You've, you've dealt with many. Yes, of course, I think when you speak about a system, you have to think about the roles, the differentiation, <coughs> the value added, of, of the institution uh, and the IDB is not the World Bank, the IDB is not the IMF, the IDB is not the Ministry of Infrastructure of a given country, it's not the Ministry of Social Development of a given country, but it has a very specific niche and a very specific mandate. It is an umbrella and it is a facilitator and it's a catalyst for positive change in the region. In the region. Uh, the, the IDB knows the region very well and then knows the broader region very well. Now, of course, there's sub, uh, 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 regional development banks, but, but the IDB has the whole uh, view of the whole uh, uh, region in terms of, of the challenges, the needs, the diversity, the huge complexity of the region, um, the, the, the spaces for cooperation, but also the spaces of tension, which are getting uh, at this point in time uh, even even more uh, extended. And this morning we were discussing with with Ilan the, the the politics of policies. 
that that we should be mindful of and and the fact that polarization and populism are features that are of course part of the world but are features that are very specific in latin america and you need to understand where do they come from why are they exacerbated what are the different conditions in around the the region in order to 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 better understand them and and where to create synergies where to create dialogue when to create cooperation uh, when to create minimum agreements because a lot of the governance of the idb will depend on this and a lot of the adequate uh, management of expectations around what the IDB can produce will result from this. Uh, uh, and, uh, and of course, the effectiveness of, of the IDB in general will depend on really understanding and really grasping what is happening in these regards in, in the region. No? So now uh, also to speak a little about the, the MDB's reform, and, and, and I would say that the MDB's reform has been there for many years, no? It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, but again, it is all about context. And the IDB is essential to giving the wider reform uh, of the MDBs the context of Latin America, the voice of Latin America, the, the special elements of, of, of Latin America, of the nuances of the the, the more accurate analysis of the of the interactions uh, within within Latin America, the priorities, no? And, and Ilan also mentioned about two sets of priorities. First, social, uh, climate, and, and investment in infrastructure, but also uh, the resources and, and, and the need to grow. If you don't grow, you don't create the, you know, the, 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 the elements and the resources in order to address all these challenges. No? And this has been a structural challenge for the, re for the re region, but also one that has been exacerbated with the current, with the current environment. No, so so um, I think that um, the the IDB has a, a, a very key role to play in terms of navigating the MDB's reform and ensuring that Latin American the Caribbean voice is there. Uh, um, <coughs> there was some comments around the the capital adequacy review, no, and and I, I'm putting some other element in the table. How would a green uh, capital increase look like? We have had capital increases in the past. But how would a green capital increase look like? What what different features are there? What would be the differentiation in terms of of, of uh, you know each of the stakeholders participating in this uh, possible capital increase? Of course, the use of guarantees, some more challenging issues like the BSDRs and the and the um, uh, um, the use of of, of uh, callable capital, perhaps. No, but how would that look in Latin America and the Caribbean? How uh, the countries in the region would, uh, you know, take something like this. What would be the thresholds of the different elements of the of this capital adequacy framework in the context of Latin America? No, so so I, I would say that the IDB uh, has the best pulse of 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 the degree of ambition of the countries in the region, the priorities. How would the stress test work in in the region? Uh, uh, um, and I would say another element: reforms are good and reforms are relevant to think of, but sometimes are, or, or most of the times, are very politically difficult. No? And they're even more politically difficult with these elements that I was talking about, polarization and populism. So I think there's also a, a, a parallel view, a parallel perspective that should be more pragmatic. No? So 
regardless of the fact that we're discussing the larger, more deeper, more structural uh, reform process of the MDBs and the role of the IDB in this, so what are the changes, the more pragmatic changes that we can think of that can, you know, do some tweaking here, some adaptation in the other side that, that can increase uh, effectiveness and that could serve better the, the membership of, of, of the IDB, no? So, so I think that's also very relevant to consider both sides. Yes, the structural reform, but more pragmatic changes that can actually uh, give, you know, lower hanging fruit and, and, and you know, more immediate resources, uh, results, I mean, for, for the region, no? Um, and, and yes, we have this polycrisis, uh, and everywhere you hear it's uncertainty, disruption, volatility, fragmentation, no? Uh, uh, um, but I also think that that uh, there are a lot of elements to also have a positive view, to have good expectations as to what can come next in terms of of uh, the opportunities for the region. No, uh, so basically one can think about the effects of technology. No. Uh, um, the reallocation of the global supply chains and the role of Latin American economies in this, no? Things like the, the new materials that are essential for the energy transition. And here we can think about minerals and rare earths, no? And not only providing them as commodities, but what about uh, very effectively integrating the regions in the, in the supply chain, in the value added of, of, of these elements, no? Uh, um, so, so I would say that that challenges are, are are quite enormous, of course, but I am always on the hopeful side, and and I think there's a lot of elements that, of course, with uh, the agreement or the basic agreement of of the region, but with the very relevant role that the IDB is called to to have, uh, and, and now under the leadership of of Ilan, I am sure that we will find spaces in order to to create the the avenues for for the region to have a saying on this reform of the larger multilateral uh, development banks reform, but also in terms of the development <coughs> agenda and, and, and growth and prosperity. So, so. Thanks, Vanessa. I really like the, you know, the, the call for pragmatism. So I'm going to go to Hans Peter, who has spent <laughs> many months last year trying to, you know, take forward this review of the capital adequacy framework as a member of the expert panel and you have actually come up with fairly pragmatic recommendations so you know tell us more about what they mean particularly for the lending potential of ndbs and and especially for idbs i mean how can the idb group take your recommendations forward practically pragmatically mm -hmm. good yeah um there's there's a there are a lot of expectations that have been built around this uh, capital adequacy work so let me just spend 30 seconds on the context. Yeah? Um, and the point of de departure that we had and which the G20 sort of gave us in 2021 was uh, we need a huge step up in investment for all the objectives that we have. It's the SDGs, it's the climate objectives. It's very clear that investment levels have to go up two, three, four percent of GDP, uh, depending on the region that you're looking at. Those have to be financed. The MDBs are a a very um, crucial source of finance for stepping up investments in uh, emerging markets and, and developing countries. Um, there are various ways that you can step up finance. You can use your capital better, you can get more capital, and you can mobilize more capital, and all three uh, will be needed. There's absolutely no question you put the numbers on this thing. 
we're, we're not going to get there with any one route. There will have to be more capital. There will have to be more mobilization. And there will have to be better use of the capital. And at the same time, let's not forget, uh, there also have to be uh, these projects. There has to be project pipeline. And if you talk to, uh, to the project officers at the IDB or, or at the IFC or wherever, they're going to say, my main problem is that I don't have good bankable projects. So the finance side is important, but we must not forget the side that enables projects, be it the context, be it uh, what we, we can call the upstream reforms, be just simply the project uh, uh, development and structuring capacity. Okay, back to what the panel was asked to do. That was the focus on using capital more efficiently. And, um, and we felt after, uh, you know, a very long time, and as you said, many, many uh, meetings and reviews that there was quite a bit of capital in the system that could be used. We looked at 15 MDBs and the, the situation differs. But uh, our conclusion was we didn't want to put very precise numbers because we didn't have uh, really the, the analytics for that. We, we felt there were hundreds of billions of dollars in the system that could, in, in additional lending, that were possible with the existing capital while preserving AAA ratings, which was a very important um, uh, condition. So what were these, uh, these um, and just to set that in context, the current, these 15 MDBs together uh, have, a, a, um, have development assets of 1.4 trillion. Yeah. Um, so what are the recommendations? There were three blocks. The first block of recommendations was about, you can take more risk, partly because you have called the capital that you do not um, take into account in the in, in, in many of the, the internal risk frameworks don't take the call capital into account, but the uh, rating agencies do. Uh, partly because uh, everyone is underestimating the power of preferred creditor treatment. We did a very detailed uh, analysis on that. Um, and the, the conclusion is that the rating agencies underestimate expected credit, overestimate expected credit, expected credit losses by a factor of 12. Yeah. And the MDBs themselves do so to varying degrees, less the private sector-oriented ones who tend to have economic capital models that are fairly, fairly close to, to uh, private uh, practice, more the sovereign MDBs. Okay, so various reasons why we felt there is a scope for more risk-taking, more leverage, basically, in the system. The second block of recommendations was about uh, what we call balance sheet innovations, and there are various types. Uh, new sources of capital, hybrid capital, like the African Development Bank is now, uh, you know, making real progress on. Uh, others, like Trade and Development Bank of, of Eastern Africa, has, has set a precedent some time ago on that. Uh, and now the World Bank is beginning to look into this. There is scope to do that, and there are willing partners. Um, there is risk transfer, and um, risk transfers can be done in various ways. For instance, selling to the insurance market, reinsurance market. There are precedents in the MDB system, but many, especially the, the World Bank, uh, don't really make use of that. Um, that if you sell risk, you free up capital, you enable more lending. Uh, and the third um, was through guarantee schemes, and there are also all sorts of precedents for that. Of course, they're more straightforward, but they're very interesting guarantee schemes which can leverage up. So instead of taking a guarantee and doing 100% nominal, uh, uh, you know, value of, of a guarantee, you can leverage it up like in the International Financing Facility for Education, which is an interesting model, or MIGA. You can use MIGA to leverage up um, the, the power of the guarantee. Uh, 
Okay, so those were the main recommendations. And for the Inter-American Development Bank, uh, we did not look at individual banks. So we did not have the capacity. We didn't uh, really have the mandate uh, to do that. But, um, of course, we, we know some of the banks. I, I was personally responsible for the benchmarking exercise, so I did look at the, at the uh, IDB group. The IDB has been among the more progressive and forward-leaning on, on many of these things. For instance, the IDB is the only... Uh, MDB that has explicitly taken into consideration in 2015, I think it was, uh, the, um, the, the, the gap between the standalone rating by the credit rating agencies, Standard & Poor's in particular, and the, issue, and the issuer rating uh, of these bonds. And that gap, the notches that the, credit, the rating agencies give you for, being, uh, for having callable capital, for having shareholder support, that's worth uh, lending capacity. Uh, and so IDB is the only one that has done that explicitly, but then it didn't really make use of it. <laughs> and that's in part because uh, Moody's and Fitch have different uh, models and somehow, um, you know, you didn't, didn't push the boundaries. There, there is, it's necessary to work with the other MDBs and with the credit rating agencies on, uh, on pushing those boundaries collectively. Uh, we've, we've spent probably 100 hours with the credit rating agencies. There's openness there to look at, uh, at these uh, conditions, in particular when shareholders combine with the MDBs to have that dialogue. So that's, uh, that's one, one area. And the other area is, uh, this is a region, uh, IDB has, has among the best, uh, um, <clears throat> let me say, uh, assets, uh, development assets, the quality of the assets. This is a middle-income country region. And uh, with that asset base, uh, there's innovation that's possible, which wouldn't be possible uh, in, in some other parts of the world. Uh, so IDB can really be a bit of a pioneer in, in um, uh, things like, like securitizing uh, the, the balance sheet. And IDB Invest is, is of course, uh, uh, you know, a great uh, tool to help the bigger brother to do that with a sovereign portfolio as well. So if you look now at what the African Development Bank has done on securitizing their sovereign portfolio, the room to run uh, sovereign. That's really interesting. It's, it's probably costly, uh, but it won't be as costly the second time it's done. It will begin to create a kind of asset class, uh, and it's less costly in a region like uh, Latin America where the quality of the asset base is higher. Um, that's an interesting one to look at, and uh, you have the power to innovate, uh, and you have demonstrated it uh, again and again uh, before. There are, of course, many other things that I would love yeah, to say, but I'll leave it there. Brilliant, and it's actually great to hear, you know, some positive um, indication of, you know, innovation and what can be done. It, it, it's not often that we get that sense of optimism in these conversations. Um, I do want to open up to the audience. We are running a little bit uh, late because we started late, but Annalisa, very briefly, let me bring you in because you run um, a survey of nearly 500 government uh, um, officials last year asking their views and perspectives on um, the role and the future of the MDBs. Just a few snippets of what is relevant to IDBs you know, in the context of this conversation from the survey. Absolutely. I dare say that I had the highest rate of participation from government officials in Latin America and Caribbean. So I have to start saying by that uh, it was a kind of an overwhelming response at that time. So let me make three, three quick points. I mean, uh, MDBs remain... Uh, very relevant institutions, especially as banks, uh, 
and even in Latin America and the Caribbean region. I remember when I started the project, uh, I spoke with many counterparts, I mean, in different finance ministries in the region. Uh, and I remember they were challenging the role and the rationale for M of MDBs. Uh, but actually, the results from the survey gave us a very different picture. Actually, at least 80% of government officials were of the opinion that what MDB offers uh, is actually what MDBs offer is actually very or extremely relevant for the socioeconomic development of their own country. And it's not only about financing a better than market terms, but also what Amali was kind of mentioning, technical assistance, uh, policy advice, research <laughs> and convening power. More specifically, in the case of Latin America and the Caribbean, yes, somehow it tallies well with what Amali was kind of mentioning. Uh, the most relevant dimension was around technical assistance and policy advice. And I do remember I was in Santiago when that kind of project was negotiated as well. So I do remember that quite well. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me, many countries in the region still have good access to domestic and international capital markets, but still 50% of government officials in the region actually told us that the access to finance uh, from the MDBs is extremely important. So finance does still matter in the region. That was something that we weren't kind of expected expecting. Second point, uh, we didn't just ask about the relevance of MDBs, but we also asked about uh, the perceived effectiveness uh, from government officials. Again, on the four functions I've just mentioned earlier on. First point, uh, the vast majority of government officials thought that the MDBs actually are extremely effective in what they're doing. And to me, this is again, a very positive message. The second one, are surprisingly so, the World Bank with its global reach came out as the most effective institution, again, perceived uh, uh, by government officials, with one exception in one region and it was Latin America and the Caribbean, where the IDB outperformed. Uh, and again, it tallies what, with what Amali was kind of mentioning, and also Vanessa, it's very close to the kind of uh, the client countries in the region. I think that's a very important point. Let me end very quickly with a less positive note. We talked about dialogue. Uh, we talked about coordination. Yes, half of government officials across all countries told us that the MDBs do coordinate very well in the region. Mm -hmm. very well um, in, in the country. But that kind of percentage went down to 39% in Latin America and the Caribbean. And a point, I think, for further reflection, actually, a quarter of respondents in Latin America and the Caribbean told us that MDBs coordinate very poorly. And I think that's a kind of an area where we might want to kind of elaborate mm -hmm. or discuss later on. And I'll stop here. Thank you so much, Annalisa. I'm just going to allow 10 minutes for the discussion, if you indulge me, because we have such a, a wealth of, you know, sort of colleague um, <coughs> perspectives, both here and, and online. I already have a, a few questions. Um, maybe while you warm up here, um, sort of, you know, if you take the floor, say who you are, if you have an affiliation, I'll take you know, one round of questions. We won't have time for two, but I'll take as many as possible if you are brief. Um, and I'll start with ones online since I already have some. Actually, the first one um, comes from the chair of our board, Sumatraka Bharti, who asks, what can the IDB offer to the MDB system to make it more than the sum of its parts? Um, I'll let you sort of think about it and all of us, because I'll do just one round of replies. So, <laughs> so sort of keep that. Um, is there anyone in the room? Otherwise, I've got another one online as well. Please, um, there's the, a Ruby mic somewhere. Uh, here in the front. Right. Now, anyone who gets a raving mic has to channel their inner pop star and hold it like <laughs> 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 Please introduce yourself. 
Hi, Stephen Paduano, London School of Economics. I'm wondering about your work on the hybrid capital proposal um, with the AFDB and whether you've been engaged in further MDB rechanneling efforts with SDRs and support of other IMF members and how that's going. Thanks. Thank you. Um, gentlemen in the back. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name is John Gibb, and I retired from working in development. Uh, I just wanted to ask about uh, where you see uh, improving governance. Where does that sit in, in the IDB's priorities? And more widely, in this reform agenda on, on MDBs, uh, who's pushing that? And is that a priority too? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, gosh. And um, the two ladies there. Yeah, okay. Yes, can I have another pen? <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that. Right. Um, yeah. Um, hi, my name is Laura. I'm Saogal. I'm with A3G. Uh, my question goes to um, yeah, it re it's about uh, natural capital. So the IDV has been quite a pioneer in developing um, financial mechanisms that push forward natural capital. So in this whole strategy to create wealth, and um, what role do you see in that? Um, Bianca. Hi, I'm Bianca Getzel. I'm a researcher here at ODI, working actually on our MDB reform agenda. And uh, we've talked about, especially following Annalisa's comment on coordination and dialogue, um, and Elon, with your previous role as well in the Banco Central do Brazil, where you regulated public development banks, what do you see their role in the IDB's future and its reform agenda as well, and how they can coordinate better with IDB and IDB can coordinate better with them? gentleman here at the I'm allowed to ask a question. So the question is to Hans. Um, you did talk a lot about, uh, excuse me, James Scriven, CEO of IDB Invest. Uh, Hans, you did mention the work and the conversations you had with rating agencies. That is a big constraint for all multilateral institutions, specifically because somehow they, they regulate us, given our AAA rating. Uh, but I've seen uh, on them either not enough information, and maybe the question goes to the initiative on publishing or making public gems as a data point. And second, not understanding actually the preferred credit status that we have that outperforms any other commercial bank. So we're penalized even further than any other institution. So my conversation is, you talked about the openness of rating agencies. Is there something that the group will be continuing doing? This is something that we as multilaterals continue to do, initiatives on shareholders and all. Wait, let me take one from the online chat, <coughs> and that's from Fanny Lutier, who is one of our trustees at the board of ODI. She's also um, a senior <coughs> partner at Southbridge Group and CEO at Southbridge Investments, and she actually was the chair of the expert <laughs> panel um, that spent all these hours trying to you know, come up with some pragmatic solutions. So Rani asks, uh, private sector finance and liquidity in the capital markets are seen as solutions to crowd in more capital to meet development and climate risks, as we have discussed. What innovations would you bring to the MDB system under your leadership of the IDB in this respect? And if there is any final questions, we've got plenty to answer. <laughs> so one last one here, and then we'll come back to the panel. So I wonder if you could speak a little bit to your approach to handling some of the challenges that the bank has faced during this roadmap process. We've seen some tensions between climate development, low income, middle income, and thinking it about your region, what do you expect to see? 
Great. From OSF, Open Society Foundation. Thank you very much. Um, no shortage of interesting questions. <laughs> Take the ones you like, and then we'll let the rest of the panel answer anything else um, that remains. Yeah, and uh, quite enough questions. That's why I got the pen. Huh? <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so, question uh, about the, uh, the sum of the parts. How can the sum of the parts yeah. could be, uh, the whole could be there? more than some of the parts and uh, I think there are quite a bit of coordination to be done. Uh, I think we need to realize that there's no competition between multilaterals just because the supply <coughs> of funds or what we can give is so much lower than the demand what they need is that it doesn't really make sense at the end of the day to be competing. Oh, sometimes you see on the field um, multilaterals competing for a project. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's get the same project. I mean, I'm going to do it, you're going to do it. I mean, and, and that's the reality. And I'm thinking about it. Haven't we said that we need billions and trillions? Mm -hmm. How can we are competing. Maybe that's because of the projects that we don't have enough projects with projects. And when a project appears, so we so we need to supply better projects. You know, we don't compete to the only ones that appear. So I, I cannot logically understand this. Uh, and of course, some of the institutions have different roles. So I, uh, I, I work at the IMF for uh, three years and now one year four years and now at IDB, they are different, uh, 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 different roles. Uh, we're talking about liquidity. I think the IMF is closer to liquidity, macro conditions and things like that. And I don't think uh, uh, you have to substitute that. You do have quite a bit to do. Uh, but there are areas where you can collaborate. The IMF just came with the uh, resilient Stability Trust, RST, with programs uh, uh, on that, and some of the programs are in Western M. The first one was uh, uh, Barbados and Costa Rica, and I was uh, I was responsible there for them to be the first ones, and I'm here now collaborating with whoever's going to be there because the projects the knowledge, the expertise, I think the uh, development banks have for climate. So you just need to cooperate. So my answer to the first question is scale. That's why the whole is, uh, is greater than the same of the part. You can get scale, you can get things done. Second, complementarity in, in some areas. Uh, on uh, on governance, I think it's quite relevant uh, in the way I, I understand governance, which is transparency, uh, accountability. I mean, I think part of the private sector have gone through some transformation that uh, some type of uh, um, norms are not accepted anymore. And I think that's 
you need to uh, to bring to the multilaterals, and I don't think you have to reinvent. Uh, I mean, it's there. Transparency, accountability, have uh, uh, merit-based uh, uh, hiring and in general. So I think we have quite a bit of, uh, of course, we need to understand some peculiarities to be to be able to to deal so you cannot just transfer whatever is the private sector blindly but i think 90 or whatever 95 percent you can bring to the to the public uh, institutions um, public development banks are they important or not i mean uh, I've, again uh, public banks and we're talking about international public banks, but let's think about national public banks. Again, they, they can fill spaces, markets that don't exist. And there are no, there are no lack of uh, places where the private sector is not entering. There are a lot of places. I mean, take, for example, long-term financing in Latin America and the Caribbean, it's not so easy to get 10 years, 15 years for several projects. Think about small and medium enterprises. They get credit, but very expensive, very scarce. I mean, and, and when, when, when a crisis hits, then, I'm thinking about the pandemic here, when a crisis hits, the credit disappears, completely dries. So, don't tell me that there's no room for complementarity between public. But it's again like the competing for the only prize. I'm gonna compete for the, yeah. for the ones I have. Yeah. So let's try to do things different. Um, then there is, uh, there were a few questions on liquidity and uh, SDR allocation. And I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good idea I think we have to push. It's very, there are quite a bit of uh, difficulties, uh, sovereign issues uh, of uh, being to agree. And I'm, I'm not seeing a very easy consensus arrangement arising from that tomorrow you're going to have all these SDR reallocations and those will be part of the capital. But I do think that that's a direction. So I, I, I tend to say to the staff and people at the IDB that we need patience but persistence and this is an area where we we have to have patience but we have to continue going because I think it looks to be that that's a, that's a direction and then the question on tensions where do I see tensions I see everywhere I mean this is I mean I'm I'm a president of a bank where you have uh, Regionals, which are America, America with the non-regional, they have slightly different perspectives. Sometimes not so slightly. We have borrowers, <laughs> which the IDB is a place where the borrowers have quite a say, have weight, which they don't have in the IMF, which they tend to not have in the World Bank. But IDB they have, so we have the borrowers and the non-borrowers. You can imagine. The borrowers have a different perspective with the non-borrowers. So that tension is there. And now we're talking about 
the smaller countries, small islands, small, they have a view and just talk about the events and the natural. And you can think about the, the larger countries believe. They don't see the world the same. They are patient. So what is our role? Our role is to basically try to find some common ground. <clears throat> we won't find common ground in everything. But we may find common ground in some things here, some things there. But it's essential to dialogue. Because if you if you are going to just try to say, well, have tensions and try to solve all of them at the same time. and So I think our role is, contrary to what we see in the world, which is polarization, try to bring moderation. Thank you. Hans Bieter, there was a question on the rating agencies very briefly, because we really are running out of time. Yeah. No, uh, it's a very good one. And it reminds me that I said there are two, there are three sets of recommendations. And then I presented two. That's a very classic. Uh, say, the one that, that I left out was the one around governance. And uh, that was actually very fundamental to everything else. Uh, and it includes uh, transparency. It includes the engagement with the credit rating agencies. Um, it's the one thing you discover after having worked for 30 years in MDBs, uh, I, I shouldn't have been surprised, but is this incredible lack of, uh, of uh, transparency, the lack of uh, uh, even working on very fundamental things together across the system. Every MDB has its own headline capital adequacy indicator. You know, you have commercial banks, you have a million commercial banks in the world, and they all have the same Basel standards that they that they follow, and then you know they, they do their own thing, but they have some basic. The MDBs do not have that, uh, and some of them have absolutely idiosyncratic uh, measures, which means that their their shareholders, um, you know, don't really know what they're looking at. There's no anchor for their judgment. There is no benchmark for uh, you know is 19% uh, is that now a lot or a little? Was 20%? What does it compare with? Uh, and uh, and that's a fundamental governance problem. Uh, shareholders are looking uh, at a very fragmented, uh, fragmented uh, landscape and have to make their own judgment with very little basis because these shareholders typically don't have, you know, a finance uh, background. Uh, and that's uh, that's a problem. And one problem that this uh, causes is uh, that this reflects is that there is no there's an imbalance in the way uh, the, the capital is utilized. Um, there's a strong focus on the downside. It's very risk management dominated, uh, where in a commercial institute, you would have somebody who's interested in profit <laughs> and would try to sort of, uh, you know, make as efficient a use of this and counterbalance the risk. You don't have that in the, in the MDBs. Um, so in this engagement and, and there, uh, James, I think it's very important. You have to bring the strategy side in, in order to, to ensure that the opportunity cost dimension is present at the table. So the engagement with the uh, credit rating agencies, so the, the agencies are very interested in that. You have to realize that you see often long lists of people, um, they actually in full-time equivalent have maybe two, three, maybe four uh, people working on the supranational uh, group, which can be 40, 50 different institutions. There is very little capacity. And so what they do is they import um, their models from the commercial sector. Mm -hmm. So how do I uh, look at the risk that, you know, if, if there is a, uh, a reinsurance on some part of the portfolio, how, how do I 
what risk is left on here? So they go and they look in the commercial market, and that's uh, very often inappropriate. Uh, but they cannot invest the time into going through the details of the particular market, particular MDB to, to do this differently. So they are actually very open to receiving that. Preferred creditor treatment is one of those. Uh, and we, we did a study that was <clears throat> uh, done, probably the most detailed study of preferred credit treatment, and I mentioned it. It comes out with that it's much more valuable than the MDBs themselves and the credit rating industry making it. Callable capital is another one. Uh, what's the value of callable capital? There's 1.2 trillion of callable capital in the system. Just imagine that all of this 1.2 trillion were treated the same way that the ESM, the European Stability Mechanism, treats mm -hmm. its callable capital. They managed, they were in the middle of a crisis, crisis bears solutions. They managed to get, uh, get the legal guarantee behind those. So, so those are treaty commitments, which they are not for the MDBs. If we had that, and I'm stopping that, if we had that, suddenly we would have a huge amount of additional value in the system. It's unrealistic, but just to give you a sense, for that, the credit rating agencies are seeking the engagement. They want to understand the processes and the commitments that are behind that. So uh, this is valuable and uh, Gosh, so much more, but I will. We, have, we have many more events on this topic. Who, whoever said that development finance is a dry issue? Look at the passion. <laughs> and you know, all of you here, this late evening. Amal, any final reflection? Amal, like, sorry. Any I final reflection? Advocacy framework is really, I mean, you know, I think there's some fairly fundamental issues that should be addressed mm. to help create better transparency and standardization. And I think then that could actually help move to an even probably slightly more, I don't want to say radical because that's, you know, use the word radical and AAA in the same sort of <laughs> sentence, but but actually some uh, ability to have better hedging across uh, MDBs. Because I think particularly for IDB, for Latin America, but also for the African region, there's a lot of country concentration. So uh, which the World Bank, the EIB don't have that country concentration. So um, but how do you enable much better ability to manage risk globally? If you have this standardization, it should then become more, more um, feasible. And, you know, potentially you have a global treasury that manages uh, across portfolios, which, you know, I think would, would what you are saying, but goes even mm -hmm. to what I would call real reform. <laughs> Thanks. Let me just see if uh, Manisa and Annalisa have any final, very quick thoughts. Just very quickly, perhaps the, the idea of more sub-regional projects, I think, is a fascinating one. Like the idea of, of uh, you know, common uh, purchase of medicines and vaccines, no? We did that project in the Pacific Alliance, Mexico, Colombia, Chile, and Peru. Never got there, but I wish we would have had that before COVID, no? Uh, something also in relation to, for instance, the, the common purchase of, of uh, catastrophe bonds or catastrophe funds, things like that, I think, are the next, uh, the next crisis is going to be there. So the, the more we, we create these sort of sub-regional projects in order to prevent and to better assess a crisis, manage a crisis once it's there, I think it's also a fascinating angle of work. Thank you very much, Annalisa. Final word. We talked about uh, MDBs working as a system. I mean, the responsibility is on the MDBs, but also from the shareholders. And there should be kind of greater incentives actually coming directly from them to make that happen. 100%.
Thank you so much. There is one uh, final question. I'm not going to take it as a question, but I want to share it anyway because it touches on something that we have sort of hinted to but not really discussed and I'll leave it with you as food for thought. Um, it comes from uh, uh, Mr. Ram Krishan from the Republic of Suriname who says, Suriname is the victim of dysfunctional sovereign debt restructuring architecture. It is time for disruption of this highly inefficient sovereign debt restructuring process. Can the IDB group create an entity similar to the Paris Club? Food for thought. We don't need to answer that. But wow. thank you very much, thank Annalisa, you. Vanessa, and Speaker <coughs> Amalie. And above all, Ilan, it's been really refreshing to hear your honesty, um, you know, to hear you talk about uh, how you are envisioning um, you know, the IDB progressing around these priorities, but also hearing you say over and over again collaboration, dialogue complementarity. These are not words that we hear very often um, from leaders of institutions similar to the IDB. I couldn't stress more how critical that is and also the moment, you know, the historical moment we are living with all these different crises that are combined. You know, you did say at one point we need to do things differently. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I wrote a blog that was actually inspired by the protests in Chile, the, the title for which was, we can't go back to normal because normal was the problem. They actually talked about, you know, those social tensions, that real you know, need for change that is so imperative. And so this is, you know, with the hope that the next many hundreds of days that you have at the IDB will bring mm -hmm. these, you know, change and reforms that we all so desperately need and the pragmatic solutions that people are, are uh, hoping for. Thank you, everyone. We see you get rewarded with a glass of wine for, you know, sort of staying so late. I'm sorry for those online. You can't join us for wine. But if you want to listen again to the discussion, the, the recording of the conversation will be um, on the ODI website in the next couple of days. Uh, please join me in thanking the panel. Thank you.